0: Chapter 15, and we'll finish the chapter. And then next Sunday morning, we're going to preach on Then Came Sunday, the resurrection. Amen. Let's pray that many souls will get saved. Bring your lost family and friends, uh, they need to be on the sound of the gospel. We had several raise their hand this morning, and um, we're praying for them to be saved. Mark chapter 15. Appreciate Brother Blaine getting the excerpt of that sermon. You can hear that live. Not live, but you can hear that uh, archived message on our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and then look up Whitfield Baptist and then uh, just subscribe to it. And then also we have it on my Facebook page and we have it on our church Facebook page. And I want to tell you something, there's been a lot of good comments. His daughter wrote me and said, thank you for posting that. It's when I want to hear daddy's voice save that video and I'm going to play it. Thank you for posting it. So you never know what's going to happen on a Sunday night. That's why you ought to be here. Thank God you are. I'm not preaching to the choir but um, some miraculous messages have been preached by some great men of God behind this pulpit and uh, let's don't take it for granted. And So if you want to listen to the whole message, don't think not. I don't know what they named it but I, I, I every time I listen to it. I get the word "faint not" about five times, and so I'm going to rename it "faint not." "Faint not" it means go on, don't quit, amen. Don't quit. So let's keep on going. Mark chapter 15, verse 40 through 47. And then next Sunday morning we're going to preach on the resurrection, and I hope that people will listen. Now let me ask you a question: uh, Are you interested in this, the Word of God? Uh, this morning somebody to- reported to me that there were some people in during my whole message that we're texting, I'm going to say this, parents, I'm going to say it very clearly. If you ain't got enough courage to discipline your kids, I do. And I'm not going to whoop them, but I am sure going to embarrass them next time they do it. And I'll say this, I'll say it very kindly now, I take preaching very seriously, very serious. If you can't go to the bathroom during handshaking time, and that's fine, you need to see a bladder doctor. Amen? I'm serious. I mean, that's why I have handshake. I don't hate to shake hands. I go to the restroom. You get as old as I am, 70-something, you're just going to go to the restroom all the time. Amen? I'm not that old. But um, let me just put it this way. You need to teach your kids to fear God. And there was also grown-ups doing this this morning. You need to teach them to fear God. And I'm going to tell you something. God will strike that phone dead if you, if you abuse it in the house of God. I believe you ought to take it, leave, it in the, leave it in the car. That's right. If they can't handle it, leave the thing blooming the car. Let me just say this real quick. I wish I'd invested in cell phones because every junior, every kid, every girl, every boy in the United States of America has a cell phone. I'd be a rich man, wouldn't you? Praise God I wish I'd invested in it. I've never seen so many uh, cell phones in my life. But I want to tell you the text you ought to be in. Word of God. Are you all offended by that? Only the ones that's doing it's offended. Amen. So listen, I'm the pastor around here. I want you to hear the word of God. Amen. amen. And so, uh, Connie, don't let mine go off. Whatever you do, amen, it's in your pocketbook. Don't, I mean, if I got a text, don't look at it, please. And I want to tell you this. In the old days, we didn't even have cell phones. We had pagers, and we had to wait to find a phone booth. Amen. So I guarantee you, there ain't no message more important than the message of the word of God. Amen. So don't answer your calls during my preaching either. You say, well, how dare you? Hey, look, I'm telling you, 25 minutes, they'll wait. I promise you. Your wife wants you to bring some eggs home. You can wait and get that message, amen? Come on. I made everybody mad, but I'm going to tell you something, friend. It upsets me when people don't reverence the Word of God and God because I fear for them, not me. I'm not insulted. It insults God. It insults God. So now I've got that off my uh, hard. I'm gonna preach a real sweet message on the ladies in the church. Amen. Look at this, verse 40. Let's stand on the word of God. Ooh, there were some people looking at me during those announcements. Amen. Those sweet salutations. Amen. There were also women. We should underline that. There were also women. Miss Jackie, that was your turn to say amen. Okay, you don't have to. Okay. There was also women um uh, looking on afar off and among whom was Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James the less and of Hosea and Salome who also when he was in Galilee followed him and ministered unto him and many other women which which came up with him unto Jerusalem and now when the evening was come because it was the preparation that is the day before the Sabbath, <clears throat> I'll, I'll explain to you when he was crucified, Joseph of Arimathea, an honorable counselor which also waited for the kingdom of God, came and went in boldly unto Pilate and craved the body of Jesus. And Pilate marveled if he were already dead and calling unto him the centurion and asked him whether he had been any while dead. And when he knew it of a centurion, he gave the body to Joseph, and he brought fine linen and took him down and wrapped him in linen and laid him in a sepulchre. Look at the care this verse says. Which was shewed out of rock and rolled a stone unto the door of the sepulchre. That'll tell you something about um, uh, cremation. But look at verse 47. And Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of Joseph Beheld where he he was laid. And when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James, and Salome had brought sweet spices, that they might come and anoint him. And very early in the morning, the first day of the week, they came into the sepulchre at the rising of the sun. And they said to him uh, among themselves, Who shall roll us away the stone from the door of the sepulchre? And when they looked, they saw that the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you for your infallible, inerrant, inspired word. God, I believe it deserves attention and reverence. I believe it deserves response and submission. And most of all, Lord, I believe it deserves obedience, uh, impartial, immediate obedience. And so, Lord, thank you that we have the word of God to preach. This is not a speech. This is not some... uh, um, uh, oratorical ability that I'm trying to produce tonight. It's your word, your God-breathed word. And so, Lord, help us to listen as if it might be the last message we hear. And, God, may we listen enough to apply it tomorrow. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me just say in by introduction, we see that in verse 40 through 47, there's two groups of people. Number one, there's women, and these women are around the cross and, folks, I don't know if you realize this or not, but these women were jeopardizing their life to follow Jesus all the way to the cross. And, folks, we also see that these women were not preachers. These women were not deacons. These women were not uh, uh, deaconess. These women were just servants. And, folks, one of them was a lady named Mary Magdalene. She had had seven demons in her life. And I want to say this, friend. Uh, she was so grateful that she got saved That she went all the way to the cross. Now the Bible says this, and I just noticed this for the first time this morning. The first time. You know, it's great that you'd be preaching 46 years and find a golden nugget. It might not be a golden nugget to y'all. Y'all probably all knew this and could, you know, say it, but they followed afar off. That means they weren't right at the foot of the cross like I've always pictured them being. They had enough sense not to go all the way to the bottom of the cross and get crucified with him. But they were in ear's distance. And praise God, they were in heart distance, and they were there. And the Bible says that also Mary, the mother of James the less, I wonder who James the more is, but James the less, and and Hosea the, and Salome, and uh, who also, when he was in Galilee, followed him, and I want you to notice these next words, and ministered unto him. I want to tell you this, friend, our church would be hurting if it wasn't for the ladies of this church. Man, that was your chance, praise God. You should have said amen, jumped up, and hugged her. But uh, I'm talking about your wife, amen, or your daughter, or somebody. Folks, you ought to appreciate your wife, amen. You ought to appreciate them being here with you. It's wonderful. The worst, I didn't think Miss Connie was going to make it tonight. She's a little under the weather. And uh, I was just whole hoping she could because it's just not the same without her with me. You know, and uh, she's my greatest encourager. She smiles the whole time. She nods. She stays awake. And she'd be a shout and amen if I'd let her. But I want to say this no she wouldn't uh god help us to, uh, to never uh take for granted the ladies of this church i appreciate you just several uh several have already come up to miss connie waiting put up sign up list that said how can i help the preachers how can i minister to the preachers how can i uh cook and and I, i'm cooking port lawn and brother uh jim i'm trying to get him involved to cook some port lawn because he needs it hey, amen he's watching he watches every service but I want to tell you something, friend. I'd like to have somebody get some barbecue chicken, too, because some preachers are almost Jewish. They do not like pork. I'm praying for them. They just don't like it. And so uh, somebody go to Kroger's and buy some chicken. That goes right along with the message. We ought to minister. And one of the ways you can minister is ladies through cooking. Say amen, man. Praise God. I mean, he's had a square meal lately. Hey, man. You get the, hey, ladies can minister by raising up their children. These were Mary, the Mary, not Mary Magdalene. Was the mother of James, mother of, of disciples, had already given their kids to the ministry. You can give your kids to the ministry. You can promote them to either live for themselves or live for the sovereign God. And folks, the greatest joy in my life is to see my children serve God and hear that they're serving God. I want you to know, friend, that these ladies were servants. They were ministers. Uh, there's the ministry of prayer. Where would our church be if we didn't have the Tuesday night, uh, Tuesday morning? Bible study, prayer meeting. Those ladies get a hold of God. Those ladies really pray. And I've been up the hall and I'm hearing them weeping, praying, crying for your kids and crying for your families and calling out to God. And folks, I want to tell you something, that stirs me up, amen. And it's good to have the leftover desserts, but folks, that's not leftovers, amen. That is the women getting together, praying. So folks, listen. If you want to do something for God, encourage your wife to keep serving God. If you want to do something for God, encourage your teenager and your children that serving God is the greatest privilege on this earth, and you don't have to be a big shot. You don't have to be written up in the bulletin. You can just be a minister ministering to the needs. What did they do for Jesus? Well, Jesus left his home. I'm sure they provided a bed for him to stay in. I believe uh, Jesus was hungry often. He didn't have a place to lay his head. I believe they cooked him a meal. I believe they were there at the cross knowing that they'd done all they could to minister to the one that saved their soul. Mary Magdalene was sevenfold a demon-possessed witch. I mean, she was demon-possessed with seven demons, and the Lord set her free. Don't you think it's a reasonable service for Mary Magdalene to serve God. And I want to say this. It's our reasonable service for all of us to be disciples and not secret disciples but public disciples. In the 4th century there lived a Christian named Telemachus. And I'm probably destroying that name but I don't know uh, Hebrew or Greek. And he lived in a remote village uh, tending his garden and spending much of his time in prayer. Historians accounted for this. And one day he thought he heard the voice of God telling him to go down to Rome. So he obeyed and set out on foot. <clears throat> and weary weeks later, I mean, folks, he traveled a long ways. And he arrived in the city at the time of the great festival. And the little monk followed the crowd surging down the street into the Colosseum. And he saw the gladiator stand before the emperors and, and say, We who are about to die salute you. Then he realized, These men were going to fight to death for the entertainment of a crowd. He cried out, in the name of Christ, stop! And as the games began, he pushed his way through the crowd, climbed over the wall, dropped to the floor of the arena. When the crowd saw this tiny figure rushing to the the gladiators and, and saying, in the name of Christ, stop! They thought it was part of the show, and they began laughing. But when they realized it wasn't, the laughter turned to anger. And he was just pleading with the gladi- gladiators to stop. One of them plunged a sword through his body. He fell to the sand. and As he was dying, the last words were, In the name of Christ, stop! And then he died. And then the strange thing happened. The gladiator stood looking at the tiny figure lying, lying there. A hush fell over the Colosseum. Way up in the upper rows, a man stood and made his way to the exit. The others began to follow in dead silence. Everyone left the Colosseum. This was the year, according to this historian, 391 BC, and that was the last battle to death between gladiators and in the Roman Colosseum. Never again in this great stadium did men kill each other for the entertainment of the crowd, all because a tiny voice that could hardly be heard above all the uh, cheering and jeering of people being killed because they were Christians said, in the name of God, stop. This story illustrates this. There's power in one person who stands for the Lord? I'm gonna be very brief tonight, but i want to tell you something. Out of the darkness, the bleak darkness of Calvary, Jesus' body's hanging right before the Sabbath, six o'clock. He gives up the ghost at at three o'clock in the afternoon, and they know he's. They got to get him off the cross. And most of the time, when somebody's crucified, I'm gonna tell you what they do. They hang there, and they become food for the vultures. Or they throw them in a pile like Hitler threw all those Jews in a pile of just like trash and throw them away. Well, brave Josias, brave Joseph of Arimathea, could not stand that. And he broke out of the darkness of that day. And he begged the body of Christ. I want to give you just three things about Joseph in closing. Number one, we see the character of Joseph. Look at verse 43. Joseph of Arimathea. Listen to this, an honorable counselor, which also waited for the kingdom of God, came and went in boldly to the, into Pilate and craved the body of Jesus. I want you to see, first of all, he was from Joseph of Armathia. In the Old Testament, that city was Ramah, R-A-M-A-H. It's 20 miles northwest of Jerusalem. It's the hometown of the prophet Samuel. And folks, he was wealthy. The Bible says in Matthew 27, 5, he was very wealthy. Anybody that would have a tomb carved out of stone in the Jerusalem garden was very, very wealthy. Number two, he was honorable, and he was a counselor. He was a member of the Sanhedrin, the powerful uh, Supreme Court of Jerusalem and the Jews. But he was honorable. He was in good standing, he was influential, he was respected, he was well known, he had it made in the shade, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and all the scribes, they loved him, they admired him, but here's the difference, he waited for the kingdom of God, he waited for the kingdom of God, he was a man of genuine faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, most of the Jewish leaders possess religion that I preached against this morning, hope I didn't offend anybody, that's the way it is. Folks, religion is heresy without Christ. Religious works, high priest, Mary, confessional booth, it's all heresy. You might want to be kind and not put it that way, but I didn't have time to do anything but preach against it. But I want to tell you something, I preach in love because people are doomed, damned, and deceived in religion. Amen? And most of the Jewish leaders possessed religion, and they were good, and they were just, Folks, there's a difference in religion and a relationship. For by grace are you saved through faith, amen. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. It's a gift of God. Um, turn to Titus three five. Hope I can find it real quick. I didn't intend to turn there, but look at Titus chapter three verse five. Thank you, choir, for that wonderful song. And I hope you'll pray for Miss Donna as you think about that song and the valley that she's going through. Titus chapter 3, and I want you to look at verse 5. It says, not by works of righteousness, I'll wait on you, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us, by the washing of the regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. It says, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to the mercy he saved us. Thank God it's the washing of the blood that saves us. Folks, salvation occurs, number one, when a lost sinner is drawn to Jesus by the Holy Spirit. John 6, says this, that God will draw men to him. And I believe without conviction, there is no conversion. I was talking to a lady yesterday on the porch, Brother Jason and I were having a great visit with this lady, and uh, we could have probably led her through the verses and showed her how to be saved, but I felt there was no conviction. There was a lot of confusion, not a lot of conviction. I challenge her to get on the sound of the gospel. The folks, the Bible says that to be saved, you must be convicted that you're lost. Amen. Number two, a sinner is made aware of his condition when he when he sees his own sinfulness. Now, people come down the aisle, blowing bazooka bubble gum and and waving at everybody and. Coming down to be seen, I doubt there's an ounce of repentance in their heart. Folks, we don't just want people to walk the aisle. We want people to break uh, God's, uh, to break some people's hearts about being a sinner. And that sin is exceedingly simple. For the wage of sin is death, but the gift of God. He also is aware of the holiness of God and the price God paid because of sin. It's a gift of God. Then the sinner is drawn to Calvary. He sees the price Jesus paid. And he sees the Savior broken and bleeding and suffering and dying for sins. He sees the Savior buried in the tomb, and he see, and, and he sees his uh, rising in power and victory three days later, up from the grave he arises. You must believe in the death, burial, and resurrection to be saved. And you must believe not just in the death, burial, and resurrection of a prophet, but that he's Christ, he's God. The sinner these things is made uh, to his understanding. When we get under the sound of the gospel, the lost sinner looks away by faith, and he turns away, and there's repentance when a person gets saved. That's biblical salvation. It's a miracle. It's a life change. It's not just throwing a flare prayer up in jail or in paradise or in Walmart or in this church. It is a turn of your life to God. It's a repentance. It's Holy Ghost conviction. It's a, it's a realization that you're a sinner and you can't save yourself. Some people say, well, I think I saved myself to a degree and then I'll take Jesus as a, as a bellhop and he can help me along my way. No, that's not salvation. That's religion plus Jesus. And folks, listen, Joseph, Joseph was a man of character, but he was a man of conversion. He's looking for the kingdom of God. And to risk his life, he had to be saved. Amen? He had to be saved. And Joseph's concealment, Jesus, Jewish leaders, number one, Joseph's concealment. Uh, Jewish leaders, um, uh, were, you know, were not uh, believers. Uh, I'm not sure when Joseph got saved. It might have been when he was investigating Jesus, the radical, and he heard too much gospel. Maybe he was listening to Jesus' message, and as he renounced religion, said there were white sephecas and that uh, narrow is the path. I don't know when he got saved, but he got saved. Maybe he heard the testimonies of uh, of his uh, friend Nicodemus. Um, but I'm going to tell you something. He got saved and he, cons- he 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 had not consented to the death of Jesus. Look at Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter 23 verse 51. Luke 23:51. The Bible says this, <clears throat> the name, the same had not consented, Joseph, a counselor, and he was a good man and just, and then verse 51 says, the same had not consented to the counsel and the deed of them. He was of Arimathea, city of Jews, who also himself waited for the kingdom of God. He didn't consent to the death. He voted against it. He didn't want them to put him to death because he'd been born again. But I want to say this, friend. Joseph had commendable qualities, but his failure was a public declaration of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I believe this, and here's the point of the message tonight. Is you're saved, you can't keep it to yourself. For whosoever believes in him shall, shall not be ashamed, Romans 10 11. Folks, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 10, And I show this to every person I lead to the Lord. No matter where I'm at, I try to share this before I leave their home. Matthew 10, 32 and 33 tells us the first thing you ought to do after you get saved. Matthew 10, 32 and 33. Would you look at it with me and circle it, underline it, highlight it? Matthew 10, 32 and 33. Real quick. The Bible says this. It says, Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men... Him will I confess also for my Father, which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny for my Father, which is in heaven. I, th- I thank God, folks, that salvation uh, saves us enough to help us to realize this world's not our home. And we're not to live for the world, we're to live to magnify his precious name. We're here to testify. And, folks, I want to tell you something it's a snare not to be a witness. Proverbs chapter 29. Proverbs 29, 15. Proverbs 29, 15. Then I'll get to the main point of my message and we'll go home happily ever after. It says, And the rod and the proof give wisdom, but a child left himself bringeth uh, forth uh, death. Folks, that's not the right verse. Folks, excuse me, I don't know which one it is, but I'll tell you what, friend. Every man, every man that denies the Lord and covers his sin shall not prosper. Our testimony for him is commanded and expected and well-deserved. Look at this verse. I know this is right. Psalms 107, verse 2. Psalms 107, verse 2. It's the first mistake I've made in 46 years of preaching. Pride comes before fall. I'm going to fall off this pulpit. Psalms 107, verse 2. Look at it. The Bible says this. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from the land of the enemy. Folks, you ought to come out of the closet. That's a bad phrase. You ought to be public about your Christianity. You ought to ask God for one word. Compassion. Let me give you two words. Compassion and courage. Why are so, people so afraid to knock on the door these days? They're not going to kill you like in the Bible days. They're not going to feed you to the gladiators. They're not going to uh, put you in prison. Folks, they might make fun of you. They might slam the door in your face. I guarantee you. of the people we knocked on the doors were friendly, open, and receptive. I heard of one buzzard down there on Seminole Drive that handed back, I believe it was Oliver's, packet. Now that boy needs to get some salvation about him, amen, for a little old blonde-haired, blue-haired little old boy that loves God and loves to be out with Mom and Daddy, and he says, No, you can have it back. Give me that address. I'm going to go talk to that guy. But I want to say this. I want you to know, friend, that we need to be bold. We need to go out and knock on doors. We need to tell people about Jesus. And the most you can get heard is your feelings probably. Look at Psalms 113, uh, verse uh, 1 through 9. Psalms 113, 1 through 9. Look what the Bible says. Psalms 113. Uh, and I won't read the whole chapter, but it says, Praise ye the Lord. Praise ye the servants of the Lord. Praise the name, blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun until the going down of the sun saying, the Lord's name is to be praised. Now what's good witnessing? Just go and praise him, Jesus. To share your testimony. I don't care how shy you are. Shy people reach shy people. Not all people are going to be open to to me because I'm so loud and so uh, bold maybe. But folks, some little old, uh, you yeah, know, the hard cases I always send my wife to. We have Muslims in our neighborhood. I send her to the door. I, and I, aren't I courageous? Praise God. I send her and Miss Kathy knock on Muslims' doors. Amen. And you know something? That lady tried to invite them in. That lady was so nice and sweet and kind. I guess she'll get a reward in Ramadan or something. I don't know what she get. But I want to tell you something, friend. The gospel was left at that house. Amen. That's exciting. Look at verse 4. The Lord is high above all nations, and his glory above the heavens. Who is like in the Lord our God? Who dwelleth on high? Who humbleth himself to behold the things that are in the heaven and in the earth? He rises up, listen, he raises up the poor out of the dust and lifted the needy out of the dunghill. He may set him with the princesses, even the princes of the people. He maketh the barren women to keep house and to, to be a joyful mother of children. Praise ye the Lord. Folks, you ought to praise God. You ought to praise him anyway. You ought to praise him all any, any day. Folks, God is gracious to us all. And we ought to praise him. And so we have Joseph's character. But we have Joseph's concealment. He was a secret agent for Jesus. He's on the Sanhedrin keeping his mouth shut. He's just buying time. But folks, something happened to change Joseph. I want to tell you what happened. Joseph purchased a tomb near the city of Jerusalem. He planned to be buried one day in this very expensive carved out rock. And when Joseph saw Jesus die on the cross, all his priorities changed. What the life of Jesus had been not able to do in his life, Jesus did it in his death. And folks, if the cross does not move you, that's why it tears my soul up when I see people sleeping while I'm preaching on the cross. You want to encourage this preacher, act like you're interested. Open your eyes and look like you're interested, amen? I try not to look at you, but folks, I want to tell you something. We need to be excited about the gospel. And I'm not some holy cheerleader looking for response, but it don't hurt to encourage the man of God when he preaches. Just had to get that off my heart. He you said, you've had a rough day. No, I've had a rough life. But praise God, I'm here tonight. And I want to say this, God's blessed me with a wonderful congregation. When Brother Austin Gardner and Brother Jim Roberts says this is his favorite place to preach out of 600 churches, that thrills my heart. So folks, y'all are good listeners, and y'all are very responsive. But I want to tell you something, folks. Right in the midst of revival, some people just look like, they've been baptized in for cinnamon juice, and their mother-in-law's come in to live with them for six months. And that ain't that bad. Even if your mother-in-law lives with you, it's not that bad. Say amen. But I want to say this, friend. We ought to be excited enough to smile once in a while in a lost and dying world. Praise ye the Lord door to door. And by the way, I think it's hypocritical to praise God in the sanctuary, and you don't go out and knock on doors and praise God. I believe, folks, he needs to be praised in front of lost people a lot more than he needs to be praised in front of saved people. So, Joseph was purchased a tomb. He had it all lined up. The Jews had already dealt uh, with Pilate, and they had arranged the body to be brought down from the cross (John 19:31 through 34). And the next day was the Passover, and the Jews wanted the body taken down and disposed of. But they wanted him dumped in a in a ditch like trash. They didn't want him up there on the Sabbath because it would ruin their religion. So Pilate ordered the soldiers to break the legs of the crucified. With their legs broken, a condemned man would suffocate in his own fluid in about 10 minutes. But when they took those wooden mallets and broke the legs of the dying men with brutal blows, when they came to Jesus, he was already dead. As the psalmist said, they would not break one bone in his body. And so Jesus, Joseph saw this, and he went to Pilate. And The Bible says a strong word in the King James. He craved, he longed for the body of Jesus. Pilate gave the body to Joseph. And if you'll look at the next verse, in verse 46, it says, He brought fine linen, took him down, wrapped him in linen, laid him in a sepulchre, which is hewed out of rock rolled a stone into the door of the sepulchre. What gentleness, what kindness, what care, what courage. Yes, the ladies were courageous. And I thank God for you ladies that are courageous enough to witness and take your stand on the job. But I will tell you something, this young, this rich man that had the background of religion, he became courageous. The Bible says he hooked up with a man named Nicodemus, John 19, 38 through 42, and they took his body and they buried it. You know something? I believe with all my heart Nicodemus was born again because he risked his life to bury the body of Jesus in a tomb. You know why God wanted him to be in a tomb and not in a trash pile like the other criminals? Because he wanted that tomb to be empty. He rolled that stone away, not for him to get out, but for us to see in. He's not here. He's risen. And folks, I want you to know, here's the issue, courage, courage. The Bible says in Matthew 16, 24, Then said Jesus and his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up the cross. Folks, there's a cross for you to bear. You know what that cross is? Total identity. Shame. Reproach. You might lose your job if you stand for God tomorrow. It'd be worth it. Hey, you might be made fun of. It'd be worth it. Hey, all your little buddies on the job might not have lunch with you anymore. Well, Toddly D and Toddly do, that's good. You don't need to be having lunch with them anyway, except to witness to them you have to deny your Christ to be buddies on the job then you are a coward. You are a coward. We need to have courage. We need to have courage for Christ because he had courage for us. Let me give you four things in closing. I'll just read them. I won't preach them. What will give you courage is gratefulness for salvation. Why do you think Mary Magdalene Demon possessed, sevenfold demon possessed lady. She's probably a witch. She's probably dressed up like a lot of women will dress up Thursday week, you know, black, long noses and black polka dots on her face and big old tall hats and riding a broom. I think every lady ought to use a broom but not ride it. <laughs> getting real quiet in here now. <laughs> I will not shake hands at the door on the, on, after the service, amen. I'll be in the choir praying. But listen, listen. She was saved, saved, saved. And she said, if they take me with Jesus, so be it. I'm going to minister to Jesus Christ. And I imagine he, she made some meals for him, washed his feet, gave him a place to live. she was saved. And so, folks, she came out of the closet because she was closed up with the devil and Jesus liberated her. Can you go back to the day that you got saved? Can you think about where you were before Jesus saved you? Have you got over it? I think the one attribute that is so attractive about you ladies and you gentlemen is your gratefulness. You're here tonight. Out of gratefulness. Why are you saying out of gratefulness? Musicians you played out of gratefulness. You teach out of gratefulness. You deek. out of gratefulness. You serve out of gratefulness. Folks, listen. If you don't have a heart of gratefulness, you've done got over it. and You forgot Calvary. Amen? Or oh me, as Brother Tony says. Thank God for salvation. Where would you be tonight if you weren't saved? I guarantee you'd be lonely and the only thing you'd look forward to is the Sunday night football game. That's right. The only thing you'd have to look forward to is going out there and getting that big old paper that says nothing and go out there and look in the obituary page and see if you're in it. You wouldn't have anything to live for. But Jesus saved you. Number two, I believe that courage comes from the surety of the resurrection mark 16 acts chapter 2 peter preached on the resurrection folks mark 16 was sunday and then came sunday and then i believe third of all that we have courage because of the steadfastness of his presence look at chapter 16 verse 12 of mark 16 verse 12 after that he appeared in another form unto two of them as they walked and went to the country Hey, look at, look at this now. Look real quick. Look at verse 20. The Bible says this. And they went forth and preached everywhere the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Amen. Apostolic signs. We don't bank on those today. Folks, his presence will give you courage. Folks, I want to tell you something. Before you ever talk to anybody, you ought to talk to God about everything. You ought to pray over every door before you knock on it. You ought to pray for every visit before you make it. You ought to get God's presence with you, or you will not make a difference. You'll just be another salesman. You'll be another annoying to them. You'll be another telemarketer. Oh, God help us on that. And some of you I know probably do that for a living. And I believe you ought to get a new job. But I'm just saying, thank God for his presence spend time in prayer, spend time in the word, and you'll find out your private communion is proportioned to your public courage. Your public courage is proportioned to your private communion. If you never read the Bible, never pray, never spend time with him, you won't be ready to go to work. You won't be ready to be a witness. And so the steadfastness of his presence in Acts chapter 1, verse 14, after the resurrection, after the ascension, uh, The Bible says that he told them to go and tarry in the upper room. Upper room Christianity. Before Acts chapter 2 is Acts 1.14 where they prayed together in the upper room. Then last but not least, I believe that courage comes from exhortation and the calling to be filled with the Spirit of God. I want you to look at Mark 16.15. The Bible says in Mark 16.15 it says, and he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now, Mark didn't make much of it, but Paul made a whole lot of it. In Acts chapter 1, he told them how to go. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Let me just read you two more verses. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. The Bible says, But ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, That's when he ascends, the Holy Spirit descended. And ye shall be what? Witnesses. Unto me. Both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and other most parts of the earth. Now folks, at that time, people were killing people for being witnesses. The word in the Greek means martyr. Do you have enough courage to give your life to be a witness? Folks, Listen. Acts 1:8 says if you're filled with the spirit of God controlled by the holy ghost you will be witnesses. And so folks, I believe the spirit of God gives us courage to witness no matter what. To be a witness. In Acts chapter 4, verse 31. Look at it. Acts chapter 4, verse 31. The Bible says and when they had prayed the place was shaken where they were assembled together. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. There's that word boldness. I don't know about you, but I need boldness. Amen. Y'all think I'm real boisterous and real, real brave? No, I'm a chicken. First door I knock on, I'm usually trembling. The first door I knock on, I'm usually scared to death. After I knock on the first one, I don't want to. I don't want to quit. But a lot of times, old oh, devil whispers to me like, you'll interrupt them. Uh, brother uh, Harold and I were knocking on doors and we went up these steps and as I went up the steps, on every step was a rat. On every step. I mean, it was a mansion, just right down here. Mansion. Every step there was a rat. And then another rat. Then another rat. Then another rat. Then I just decided, wait a minute. Those are artificial rats. And then I, and then you all these decorations. There was a witch sitting in the sitting in a chair tried to witness her, and she wouldn't even talk back to me. And they're sitting right there. And I mean, this mash mansion right back, right down there, that mansion. They had all this stuff about witchcraft and, and rats. I said, oh, that's really great, man. Praise God. I said, I hope they're not home. I'll just leave this on the doorknob. Amen. You ever done that? Amen. If they, You know, because these people are going to be, um, and they were probably just nice, friendly, decorative people, you know. But folks, I want to tell you something. It don't matter if you're scared or not. Go ahead and witness. And the Spirit of God called you to witness. And folks, the hardest thing you'll ever do is to be a witness. But they prayed, the place shaking, they're all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spake what? In tongues? No. They spake the Word of God with boldness. Whew. What do you talk about the most lately? Trump? Pelosi, what's that lady's name that's running for uh, president? And if you vote for her, you're endorsing abortion, and blood's going to be in your hands when you get out, get out of that poll. If you vote for somebody that believes in abortion, blood's on your hands. You say, Bill, what's got you so blunt? I don't know. I'm just preaching. But I'll know this one thing. is that I'm going to tell you this. I'd rather talk about Jesus than them care who you're for. I'm personally praying that Vice President Pence will run for president. I would get signs up and I would march up and down the road saying, praise God, here's a Catholic that's really saved, vote for him. I would. I would. Because I believe he's got the church in mind. I believe he loves God. But he ain't running, so I'm politicking from the pulpit. But I want to say this, friend, if I ever talk about a politician or if I talk about a team, or if I push the dogs when they beat Florida in a couple weeks, Brother Randy, if I get all excited about that. More than Jesus? God forbid, they ought to revoke my calling to preach. If I get more excited about something from the world, then I do God Almighty that saved my soul. See, today I'm absolutely certain that I'd be in a bad place if I hadn't got saved. I was just that insecure. I was just primed to be an alcoholic. I was just programmed. I was being pushed in it. I saw the apple of my eye, my daddy, being that way. and Therefore, my kids would not be in the ministry. My kids would not be in church. And all, I want to tell you something. I'm so grateful, Brother Vinny, that Jesus came to me on that Sunday night, and knocked on my door, and I got saved. And so, friend, I'm going to tell the world how Jesus saved me. And I believe with all my heart, all my heart, that every disciple ought to be bold and courageous with compassion. Father, thank you for this simple message. It's been hard to preach. Maybe some of the things I said before that made it hard to preach, but, Lord, I apologize for that. But I don't apologize for the truth that we need to hear the word of God. But God, I thank you that we don't have to apologize for being a witness. That We can come boldly to the throne of grace, and you'll give us boldness, but you'll give us courage. Give us strength to be a witness. God, we talk about what we love. We talk about what we love. And so, Lord, if we love you, we'll talk about you. So, Lord, give us a thrill, all that thrills my soul, that beautiful song we sung this morning, a thrill about our salvation. Help us to confirm our calling to be a witness. Help us to be filled with the Spirit of God to give us courage. We'll praise you for every soul that's saved, for every soul that gets under conviction as we speak gladly the Word of God. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I think about Brother Reed, and I think about his boldness to write books and to be a witness and encourage whoever he was with, especially in his last days. You know, he died right. He finished right. How are you going to finish? On the sidelines of sourness? On the sidelines of um, being skeptical and cynical? Being offended at the preacher or whatever? I think we ought to be filled with the Spirit of God in such a way that we want to find someone to tell about Jesus that's my prayer tonight let me say preacher with all my heart I want to be like Joseph I want to be a not a secret disciple I want to be a spirit filled disciple pray for me that's your prayer tonight would you slip your hand up high for prayer all over this place Father use this message God thank you for the rest of it I hate to stop in a passage of scripture where you're in the grave God we know Sundays are coming we know, praise God, you arose from the dead. And so, Lord Jesus, help us. Help us, dear God, have holy boldness and priorities and not be secret disciples, but spirit-filled disciples. We're going to praise you and thank you in Jesus' name.